Welcome to the I Have ADHD podcast, where it's all about education, encouragement, and coaching for adults with ADHD. I'm your host, Kristen Carter, and I have ADHD. Let's chat about the frustrations, humor, and challenges of adulting, relationships, working, and achieving with this neurodevelopmental disorder. I'll help you understand your unique brain, unlock your potential, and move from point A to point B. Hey, what's up? This is Kristen Carter, and you are listening to the I Have ADHD podcast episode number 99. I am medicated, I am caffeinated, and I am ready to roll. Today on the podcast, we're talking about friendship, and I have one of my friends, Verity Garvey, on with me to chat about our friendship, and really mostly about how friendships have been difficult for us as kids and teens and adults, and how changing our minds about ourselves as adults with ADHD and accepting ourselves has allowed us to show up differently in the last year or so and create dream friendships for ourselves. So hi, Verity. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Hi, Kristen. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad that you agreed to be my friend when I asked you very awkwardly, um, I don't know, maybe six months or a year ago and said, uh, I know this is like a little bit weird, but do you want to be friends? And you said yes. Of course I said yes. I was like wishing and hoping and dreaming. And then when you asked me, I was like, obviously. And I also had a moment of like, wait, I thought we were already friends. Like I didn't, (laughs) I didn't know. (laughs) Like, but then, yeah, I think I was hoping that you felt the same way. And you did. I'm so glad. It's magical. It's so funny because um, I think having this conversation together is going to be so powerful because the way that we show up in our friendship is very imperfect. And yes. um, this is actually- You are very imperfect. I am <laughs> Just kidding. Imperfect. I'm totally kidding. That was I mean, that's obvious. <laughs> but this is our second go round trying to record this podcast. The first yes. time we got yes. interrupted, it didn't work out. And um, I think there's like a lot of grace in friendship when we both have ADHD that is probably yeah. not- present in like a neurotypical um, slash ADHD friendship. So we're going to chat about all of it. Yeah. I feel it's important to let everyone know just as a side, why we got interrupted last time. Yeah. It was me getting a text message from my boss. Hey, are you coming to the meeting this morning? And I had to literally just tell you like after so many small interruptions already, like, wait a minute, like I actually cannot be here. I have to just go and you were so understanding and I just I don't know that story feels important yeah because how many of us have gotten that text where our heart like drops yes yeah and we immediately are sweating and we're like oh my gosh I'm in the wrong place at the wrong time and I didn't even realize it there's like no way out other than to let one of these sides down yes (laughs) I have to like and so the fact that it was you then, and like, I knew that you would like a hundred percent understand, totally. like I still, I was so sad that I, I would rather have been on the podcast, but like, 
I didn't have that, that like sinking feeling in my stomach all day long. Cause I just knew that you knew, like, I knew that you got it. I totally did. Okay. So let's start from the very beginning. Why are friendships so difficult for kids with ADHD? Let's talk about that for a second. So walk me through some of your childhood experiences within like your friend groups. I definitely, I think this is probably one of like the most traumatizing parts of like growing up with ADHD. Um, I have this really profound memory that has like come up in lots of different times in my life, like thinking back to myself as this little first grader. Um, And even before that, like feeling very much on the outside of like other kids, but you know, in preschool and kindergarten, I was kind of able to just like do my own thing. But when I transitioned to first grade and I was like in a new school, I remember like sitting on the sidelines at, at lunch and like not understanding, like I would just sit by myself and cry and like watch the other kids playing. And I just didn't understand like how they all knew each other like how they knew the rules of the game that they were playing. Like, was there like a meeting that I forgot to go to that like <laughs> plan for the game at lunch? Was there like some kind of like announcement? Like, how did they all know yeah. like what to do, where to meet? Like, how did they know each other's names? Like we'd only been in school for six months. Like, how do we know each other? You know, like I, I don't, um, I still feel like that at times, but like that image of me, like, in my own mind of uh, just sitting on the outside, just, just crying. Cause I did not understand how to like mm-hmm. be the same as everyone else. Um, just as a very defining like memory for me. Totally. Um, yeah. And that just kind of, that feeling kind of followed me. And what I did was like, I attached myself to one person. So I would find like a best friend and kind of just attach myself to that person and then like like just be with that one person for the rest of time basically Mm. Um, as like security yeah and as a way to like know what I was supposed to do yeah Um, and it's so interesting because I've always been friends with twins and I think that's because they're like used to having another person who's just like bonded to them I don't know wow that's just a total theory but it's like so many of my really close friends have been twins. Oh, that is fascinating and a little weird. Yeah. Yeah. It might just like, it might have nothing to do with what I said, but like (laughs) there might be an understanding in a twin of like, this person is like needing to be bonded to me in a different Mm -hmm. way. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, um, so I didn't go to traditional school uh, first through sixth grade. So I was homeschooled. Um, And I don't have a ton of childhood memories. I think I've blocked a lot of it and also just ADHD. Like I just Mm. don't have a lot of memories. Mm -hmm. Um, But I went to school for the first time in seventh grade. Um, I know. Were you, I mean, obviously you were homeschooled then. I was homeschooled. Yeah. Not only was I homeschooled, let me paint a little picture for you. I was (laughs) homeschooled overseas. So I was a missionary kid, right? So when we moved back to the States, we kind of like bounced around a little, but we finally settled in New Jersey near Princeton, where Mm. 
people were quite wealthy. Yeah. And I moved in, in seventh grade, first day of school, wearing clothes that were purchased from like Goodwill. I had a teal blouse with like a um, crocheted bib, basically shoulder pads, pleated khaki shorts and flowered keds. I don't know why I remember it, but it was a thing when I, it must've been a spectacle, a sight to when I showed up in Princeton, New Jersey. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like feeling traumatized, like just by listening to this story. I appreciate that. I really do appreciate that. And one of the first memories I have of like interacting with people, like I, I remember, um, like helping offering to help a girl open her locker. Like she couldn't get it. And I'm like, Oh, I can help you. And she was just like, ew, why are you talking to me? Yeah. And you were just trying to be kind. Like you were literally just trying to show up so sweet. But I I didn't know anything about social cues or about Mm. um, like what's acceptable in school. Like I was just so happy to be in school. Yeah. How dare you be nice to someone? Yes, (laughs) I know. So rude of you. Right? So there was this one girl that I knew from the church that we were going to. And so I was like, oh my gosh, obviously we're best friends. And I sat with her at the lunch table. And after like a couple days, I remember the group of girls were like, no, we don't want you here. And they kicked me out of the lunch table. And I just remember being like, I don't like, I am a catch. Like, I don't know why anyone would not want to be my friend. Totally. Like, why are you giving away this gift? (laughs) (laughs) But it was really hard because I did not know at all what was expected. And we haven't talked a lot about masking on this podcast. I don't know that we've really talked about it much at all, but I, I think that that was my first introduction to like being you is not okay. Like there's a certain way to act. There's a certain way to show up in the world and So like you need to be observant of what other people do and Mm. mimic that in order to be able to fit in and fitting in was my number one goal. It took me two years, but by the time I got to ninth grade, I I found a group of friends and it it was wonderful. Like they were lovely, but it did take me two years to learn how to like fit in. Yeah. Yeah. I think what is so crazy and this maybe doesn't have much to do with ADHD, but I think having ADHD makes this experience so much harder, Mm -hmm. um, is that like, I also immigrated like in seventh grade. So we both had that experience of like going to school, like a normal American public school in seventh grade, like being very different. So not just like from a different culture and a different country, but like, neurotypical versus neurodivergent and um that feeling of like yeah that profound like realization that like you you aren't right like you're not Mm -hmm. you're not the same as other people um and like trying to be nice and people just reacting with this like why are you talking to me attitude I can relate so 
much to that and wanting to fit in and having no idea. Mm-hmm. Like, where am I missing the boat here? Like how mm-hmm. I remember going home and telling my mom, like, mom, the girls are just different. And you said you moved to Princeton, New Jersey, which is super wealthy. I I have the same experience too. I moved to Laguna Beach, California. Like, oh my goodness. Like I walked into that school. These seventh grade girls looked like real life supermodels. Like I cannot even describe the culture shock of like going from Johannesburg, South Africa to Laguna Beach, California. And like, like walking into a school where I'm like now surrounded by what, they seemed like adults, like these girls were terrifying. And I remember going home to my mom and being like, mom, like, I don't think, like, I, I don't, I'm not the same. I'm not the Mm. same species. (laughs) Like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing here. Yeah. Masking was huge. Like learning slowly how to like, look like other people, sound like other people, act like other people. And yeah, I very quickly bonded with one person Mm. um, who I'm still in connection with today and what I was thinking when you said like you found this group of friends who were so wonderful and I have that same experience and I feel like we can mask to a point but then when we find our people like even if they're not ADHD themselves like they are just very special people yeah like the people who end up being our close friends are they have a depth and an understanding and a compassion and I don't know. I just like, the yeah, they're just very special. I totally agree with that. And it's not that there wasn't conflict because there certainly was, but the level of acceptance that they were willing to offer me all through high school, first couple of years of college, even we yeah. stayed really close. It was just so lovely. And it's everything that I always wanted as a kid. I felt like, oh my gosh, I finally have people. And I remember one specific example where I had my first boyfriend. Mm -hmm. I think I was like 15 and my, one of my like very close friends, Colette called me and was like, Hey, we are going to the fair. There was some sort of like fair. I don't know. Mm -hmm. We're going to the fair today. Do you want to come? And I was like, um, I actually want to go with this guy. And I had forgotten that it was Colette's birthday. Like that she called me on her birthday, invited me to go. I said, no, because I was Mm -hmm. like infatuated, hyper-focused on this relationship. And she forgave me for that. Yeah. Right. And like, that is the kind of acceptance that we need in friendship. (laughs) Totally. Because we are going to do those things. Like it's hard to be yeah. friends with us sometimes. Yeah. We, yeah. we do not show up perfectly. We do not show up with the same level of remembering things like birthdays or being able yeah. to show up on time. I remember my other friend, Karen, really struggled because I was late all the time. And I come from an ADHD family. Yeah. So yeah. I didn't have parents that were like rushing me out the door. It was kind of like, right. we're all just whatever about it. <laughs> Time is not real. Time is not real <laughs> in the Sullivan household. This is not. Yeah. So what do you think are the hardest things about being friends with someone who is ADHD? Like what's hard about us in friendship? Do you think? 
So all of the things that we feel guilty about all the time are the things that neurotypical friends have to tolerate or accept or understand. And I think it's just cultural norms. Like none of these things are actually real. Like we just joked about time not being real, but that's actually a true statement. Time isn't real. It's just thoughts. And so like for us, it's not real, but the tension that we feel is we know that for other people it's real. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's, it's seen as rude if we're late and it's seen as uncaring if we forget a birthday or if we don't text back or if we forget to like ask about something that is important when this is not the worst thing this is the thing that I struggle with the most about myself it's like if someone tells me something that's going on in their life that's really big deal like if their mom is sick or like something bad has happened or uh and and then like I forget to like ask about it the next time I see them mm-hmm. um and I'll remember at like three in the morning yes. on a random Tuesday, but like not when I'm with him. <laughs> and I feel like terrible about that. Um, and for a neurotypical person, I think it's just really normal to interpret these things that they've been taught their whole life. Oh, you have to do these things to show respect and to show that you care about someone. These are necessary things. And they're like, okay, we'll do that. Like we've been taught the same lessons. We just yeah. don't do it all the time and so for them to have to shift their thinking about what is normal and what are like normal ways to show respect and care is actually a really big ask I think it's like a hard thing for them to do Uh, I can understand that like oh for every other friend you have like it's acceptable for you to expect them to be right on time. But for me, you have to like know that I'm just always going to be right. I mean, let's be honest, probably 30 minutes late, like, <laughs> especially now that I have kids. Like there's no way there is. Oh no my gosh. Way. That is next level. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with you. And I think that we as ADHD spend so much of our time like you said, feeling guilty, feeling like we're not like knowing that we're not showing up in a quote unquote, normal, typical way, knowing that many of the behaviors that we exhibit or the words that we say can often imply that we don't care or can often imply that we are like, we're just unconcerned with the other person when in actuality we are, we like deeply love the person. Mm -hmm. We just don't remember to show up in the ways yeah communicate that really really clearly yeah 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 and I think even like um I think it it would be a true statement to say that as ADHDers we probably think about our friends more than anyone Mm. like I think that we like for because of maybe some anxiety like we I mean we know like ADHD like we do know what we're not doing. Like that's just a, that is a common experience. And so at least for me, and I imagine that this is, it might be something that we're all doing is that like, I spend a lot of time thinking about my friends and my family that I, that I haven't spoken to. And I'm wondering Mm. how they're doing. And I'm, and I'm kind of anxious about like, Oh, I probably should call them. Like, I don't know how long it's been. Like it, 
maybe it's been yours. Like, I don't know. Um, And the more anxious I get, the harder it is to reach out because I don't even know, like, I don't fully remember when the last time was. And so um, I think when people, when, when friends are thinking that I just don't care about them, Mm. the opposite is actually true. Like I Mm. think about them all the time. And then I think that, like I feel like I've spoken to them recently <laughs> because I've actually been speaking to them in my own mind and thinking about them. And maybe like I see something on social media that like, you know, oh, I wonder how so-and-so is doing. And then I see this whole post about how they're doing. And I'm like, great, we've checked in with each other. Like, right. When actually I have not spoken to this person and yes. I just forget, I yes. just forget. Oh my goodness. I think that it takes a very secure person to be able to be in like intimate relationship with someone with ADHD, because if you are questioning like your own self-worth and whether or not this person is, um, you know, loves you or is friends with you or, you know, cares about you, we are not going to show up in a way that really convinces you of that all the time. Yeah. Like you, it takes a neurotypical person who's like pretty secure, pretty okay within themselves to be able to be in a deep connected relationship, I think, because, and I think that that's really why I found the friend group that I did. And they were all very secure, independent, amazing well, they're women now, but I guess girls at the time who they didn't need me to show up a certain Mm -hmm. way in order for them to feel good. Right. So like when I showed up the way I did most of the time, it was just fine. And sometimes there were, you know, there were fights, but we always like fought. Yeah. It was worth the fight and we would fight and like work it out but they had to be willing to say like, Hey, this really bothers me. Mm -hmm. And if you're not willing to say that, then I think it can be very difficult to be in relationship with us because if you don't tell us, we're just going to be like, everything's great. Awesome. Amazing. Yeah. Unless you're like, Hey, this, like this really hurt my feelings when you forgot my birthday and went to the fair with like your boyfriend instead, even though I called you and invited you on my own birthday. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. I think it's harder to find that the younger you are. So mm-hmm. I, I feel like um, I'm finding that more and more in my life now that I'm in my 30s than I did in high school. I think it's amazing that you found yeah a whole group of girls that were secure enough to like take you as you are. Amazing. And yeah, like I'm finding that more and more. So yeah, there's hope. I think the older we mm. get, the, the more secure people are in themselves and then the easier yeah. it is for them to just know that like people are just different and that's okay. So let's chat about that for a, for a hot minute, because in the last like year, year and a half, you've done a lot of work to change your mind about yourself. So if you haven't listened to that episode, I don't know what number it is, but just look it up. It's called changing your mind about yourself. And Verity talks about her story of going from, basically someone who thought that she was the worst to now (laughs) someone who fully accepts herself as she is. And I'm interested to hear how that has changed your friendships. How has accepting yourself changed your dynamic in your friendships or in your relationships? 
I mean, I still have those friends that are like, that nothing has changed because it's always just been like fine with them. You said something to me the other day that just made so much sense to me about how, like when we start to accept ourselves, it obviously starts like with us first. Like it was me and me like having this massive conversation about like how I'm, I'm okay. Like I'm, I'm doing okay. Like in all my like imperfection and then also my gifts, like it's all fine. Um, and then, and then it goes to like one ring out, which was my husband and my children and how I relate to them and how I show up. And that was like a huge traumatic thing, which is now it's now good. Like everything is good, but there was this massive adjustment with my husband and I that was like crazy. But then now that that's good, there's like the next ring, which is like my closest relationships. That's been, you know, the further out from myself it gets, the harder it gets to manage. Because obviously Mm. when it's just me and me, I'm with myself all the time. I'm like, you know, I sound crazy now. I'm talking to myself all the time, but like (laughs) we all do that. And then when it's me and my husband, we're very connected. And so that's, but then when it's the next ring out, it's like, I don't know, it kind of blindsided me. And I think that's the conversation that you kind of helped me see that there's these layers of growth that happen. And that was so helpful because I just thought like, oh, I'm good. Like I've worked it out with myself. I've worked it out with my husband. We're good. And I just was blindsided when I started to have these conversations in like close friendships and close relationships that were like kind of one step out from that. And um, it's been a like a, a really good test for what I actually believe about myself, because it's one thing to say to yourself or your spouse, like, no, like I accept myself, like you need to accept me, but it is a lot scarier to say that to a friend. Um, It's a lot more emotionally challenging and um, you really have to examine wait a minute, do I actually believe that I'm enough? Do I actually believe that like, not just that I'm good enough, but that it's okay that I struggle in the ways that I struggle. Yeah. Um, Which has been a huge shift in thinking for me. So before, like, obviously I've had conflict with friends before, and I've thought that it was like, a sign of maturity when I was able to like apologize and be like, no, I'm so sorry that I didn't remember your birthday, or I'm so sorry that I'm bad at communicating. Like, you know, like I thought that I was being really mature by like apologizing and being understanding of their complaints. And, you know, and I think that accepting responsibility, except yes, accepting responsibility. Like I'd be like, oh, well, like I was the one who hurt them. So I'm going to, accept this responsibility. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, there are, there is a, an appropriate time for that response. Yeah. But when it comes to like somebody basically being upset because I have ADHD, even if they don't know that's why they're upset, then for me to respond and say, like, I'm really sorry that you're hurt, but I'm also like, I'm not apologizing for just functioning in the way that I function. 
Right. Um, and being able to say, you are right that I'm not a good communicator, but these are the ways that I do love you well. And yeah. I want you to know that. So like for me to, to see what I've like, what I've brought to the relationship without someone else telling me that I've brought that to the relationship, mm. that has been a real sign of growth for me, but like so hard, mm -hmm. so hard. Um, yeah, it just is different to any other way that I've functioned before. I love that you point out that there's this like next level, because I think that when we do the work of self-acceptance and we feel good with us, we're like, great, I'm yeah. done. Like I've done the work. <laughs> but then right. it's like, oh, wait, 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 wait. How does a human with ADHD who accepts themselves, how do they show up in their marriage? Mm. Right. And then it's like, how do they show up in their close friendships? How do they show up as a parent? Like truly accepting yourself and your ADHD characteristics. How do you balance taking responsibility for, of course, like we have flaws and we're not trying to say like, well, it's too bad. Like I mean, I was born this way. So move right. on. Like right. it's not that at all, but it's also not accepting responsibility for like inconveniencing someone because of your neurodiversity. And yeah. that, that's a very fine line, but I think that constantly going back to like, who am I? What is, what, how does ADHD show up for me? What does that mean about me? And what strengths do I bring to the table? Like, yeah. I'm never going to be the friend that shows up on time. So if that's mm -hmm. your measure of friendship. You will always be disappointed. And I'm yes. not willing to stress about that anymore. Like I just let myself off the hook for that a couple of years ago where I'm like, I am no longer going to hold myself to a standard where my love for my friend is measured by how on time I am. I'm just right. not going to do it anymore. Yeah. And I don't, I just don't. Yeah. I text when I'm on my way and there you go. Like I, I right. try to get out the door on time, but I'm not going to beat myself up and hold myself to a standard that really isn't a measure of my love anyway. Yeah, the measure exactly. Of my love is like, I accept you fully as a human. I'm going to have your back at all costs. Like that for me, like loyalty and like having someone's back, that is one of like the biggest things that I bring to the table, like being able to fight for someone. And that uh, like a lot of times looks like, like showing them how amazing they are, you know, and mm -hmm. being like, no, 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 you are like, you don't have to feel this way because I, I feel like I see the good in my friends that maybe they don't yeah. see about themselves, you know? Yeah, and totally. So like, those are the good things that I bring to the relationship. I don't bring remembering birthdays. That's not right. like, I, I forgot, like one of my closest friends, Jamie, I love you, Jamie. I know you probably don't listen, but I love her so much. And actually funny enough, I also asked her, do you want to be friends? You are the only two Aww. people. <laughs> <laughs> that I've wow. done. But it was like um, our first year at my husband's 
previous church, which Ooh. I will have to be sharing with all of you about, but anyway, and she was like the only young person there. And I was like, oh my gosh, do you want to be friends? And she was like, yes. And we've literally been like best friends yeah. ever since, but I just forgot her birthday a couple um, weeks ago. And I texted her and I was like, it was like four days later. And I was like, Jamie, mm -hmm. I forgot your birthday. Like, that's all I said. And she wrote back and was like, I don't care. I know that you love me. You don't need to remember my birthday. Like those were the words that she said. Yeah. And I was like, amazing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That, that like a text like that just means so much. Yes. Yes. It's, it's everything is everything. What yeah. do you think that we bring to the table as friends? And why is it so important that we think about that? Um, well, I think it's important that we think about that because I think that it's the only way that we will start to accept what is labeled deficiency, you know, in our culture. So, so all of those things that we've been talking about, like all of the reasons why it's hard for a neurotypical person to be friends with us, like, you know, like I said, it's cultural norms. It's not like they're just making up random rules. And so as an ADHD, like we're flying in the face of like, what's like considered normal expectations. And so if we don't realize for ourselves what we bring to the table, we are going to be destroyed like by other people's yes. opinions. We have to be able to answer that question for ourselves and fully believe it because people will not answer that kindly for us. So that's why. And then I, as far as like what we bring, I think obviously it's very dependent on each person. I think that we all have different gifts and it's easy to identify as an ADHD or like we all have that in common, but then we also are all our own people. We all have our own personalities and talents and interests. Mm -hmm. And I know for me, I mean, you said you show up with loyalty and like this, you know, I know you're an Enneagram eight. So like, you're going to protect your people. Like yeah. you are going to be so loyal. Mostly I show up in relationships as an Enneagram nine. So I am super accepting. I have very little expectation for my friends. It can get tricky because with having low expectations or no expectations, it is easy to be mistreated. But as I've like evolved in myself, what that looks like is I, I don't tolerate mistreatment anymore, but I do tolerate all of the things that like could come up in a relationship, mm -hmm. like, especially things that like maybe, you know, are more ADHD traits, even if like, you know, if someone's not usually late, but they are like 10 minutes late, I'm like, girl, I'm so grateful that you're late. Like, yes. thanks for being late because it helps totally. me out. And I don't care. I didn't even know you were late. You know, right. people will like rumble in at like 15 minutes. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, I don't even know you're late. Yeah. I don't know. Like you're on time. <laughs> all right. You are on time. Um, if I go over to someone's house and it's like a total disaster, I'm like, mine is worse. Like yeah. we're good. I just, I don't know. I just have this acceptance of people as they are. And I think that's my personality, but I think it's ADHD too, because I'm used to needing that from other people. Yeah. Um, yes. So one of the things that I think we can all relate to is hyper-focusing. 
And so I have these special interests that mm-hmm. I like get obsessed with for a few months. And, and then I teach all my friends. And so like a year ago, I was like hyper fixated on skincare and I wanted to talk to everyone about skincare. And so now all my friends have awesome skin because like <laughs> I told them all the things and they'll come back to me now and be like, oh, like wh- what should I use? In-? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't think about that anymore. That I'm was like months it. ago. <laughs> I'm over it. I couldn't care less. I don't even wash my face anymore. But like <laughs> I've given them like this wealth of information. Like yeah. a few years ago, I was super into fertility and like mm. a few of my friends literally got pregnant, I think because of like the, <laughs> the information that I shared with them about like the way that our bodies work, about like women's bodies and cycles and hormones. And like, next thing you know, they're pregnant after like years of trying. And I'm like, yeah they like oh my gosh I shared that information with you but now I don't I don't even know anything about my own body. I just like I, <laughs> but you know it's crazy but it's also like valuable and so yeah I don't know it's, I, I love it's that fun to be friends with ADHD I think so too. I think you're absolutely right because we can be very spontaneous. We can have those hyper-focus like periods of time. We are so accepting and forgiving. We really are. I really do think that we bring that level of understanding that a neurotypical just can't because they don't have all of the trauma that. Yes. Yeah. I think we bring a level of understanding and acceptance and not that a neurotypical would not have experienced trauma as a child or a teen, or even as an adult. But I think that for ADHDers, we have this like shared experience of trauma and friendships and trauma with like, just always showing up in a way that, like you said, goes against cultural norms. And, and so we just bring this level of acceptance to friendships and relationships that is just really special. Yeah. Yeah. I think we have the ability to understand that not everything is based around like how much somebody cares about us. Like Mm. there's very little, I'm trying to even think of a time where I have done something intentionally because like, I don't care about the person, Right. like, you know, but versus the number of times I've been accused of that. I can't think of a time when I've like been late. I will be later if I care more, you know what I mean? Like it's, it is completely the opposite. If I don't care at all, like I'll roll up in my like sweats and messy hair, whatever. If I'm, but if I really like the person or care about the event, like I'm going to be there late, but I'm Mm -hmm. later because I've like been spinning around in my own head for the last hour. I think understanding that the reason people like quote unquote mess up is because of their own stuff it's very rarely because they're thinking oh I'm just gonna sit here for an extra 10 minutes because I just don't care about this person enough to be on time yeah um or like I'm I know it's their birthday but I'm just not gonna text them so that they know that I hate them like that's just not how people think but that is what culture will tell you that Mm. like oh if you're not if you're not early you're late I hate that like so much that saying I don't know if you've ever heard that but I've I've heard that by people in my life, they'll like casually be like, Hey, I live by this principle. If you're not early, you're late. I'm like, 
what if you're not world? early then you have ADHD like <laughs> it's just kind of like there are totally. other reasons there are other reasons I mean it's very rare actually that it's based on how much somebody cares and so mm-hmm. um yeah I think we just have this understanding that comes from the trauma of like being rejected over and over again mm-hmm. for things that we can't help and maybe we can help them over time but it right. takes time and that's something right. I'm learning too like I am actually working on being better at communication right but I can only do it like at the pace that makes sense for me in this time in my life like I cannot do all of it all at once so um yeah I love that so what I want to say to any of you listening who are struggling in friendships feeling lonely wanting to be able to show up as yourself this is just Kristen Carter's personal opinion my advice first is Do the work of self-acceptance. It has to start with you learning how to accept you. No one around you is responsible to accept you before you do. Like that's your work. That's our work as ADHDers is to do the work of self-acceptance first. And really that means like understanding your ADHD, having a level of tolerance for yourself that other people don't. So it's not like, it's not their work to do. It's your work to do. And then teaching the people in your life, how to accept you just by modeling self-acceptance for them. So you, you don't say like, listen, you got to accept me because I have ADHD. You model, I accept me. I like, I understand that you're upset about this and I totally get it. And I fully accept myself in this moment. And, and that work is not easy work. Like that's not for the faint of heart. And then also really knowing what you bring to the table in relationships. Like what is your secret sauce? Stop holding yourself to the standard of like, being on time or remembering everything, like instead really get to the bottom of like, what are your gifts? What are, what are your strengths? What do you bring to the table? What is amazing about you and lean into those strengths because that's going to be so much more fun anyway. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I do think that once you get there um, and when you find your people who see your strengths, it is so much fun. Mm -hmm. But I also want to just emphasize that this is the hardest work you'll ever do. Like learning to accept yourself as you are right now. Like it's not saying that you'll never grow and, and move beyond some of the the things that you, you know, you, you may be working on beyond time or communicating better or remembering things better. Like it takes time, but accepting yourself as you are right now, it is it is normal for this to be overwhelming, for it to hurt, to go like, this is not like a fun, light, easy process. I mean, like, you know, Kristen knows what I'm talking about when I say this. And, you know, it's a certain point in, in, I don't know, if I start a podcast, you'll probably all find this out. But like, my life, honestly almost exploded like Mm -hmm. a few months ago and it was because I had reached a point in self-acceptance 
where I was not able to tolerate like assumptions or yeah. um, treatment of me that, that didn't align with my self-acceptance. And so I, yeah. I want to say that it is normal if you're going through the process of, of learning to accept yourself, to feel pain and to feel struggle and to feel disruption in your relationships. Um, yeah. You're doing it right. Like yes. um, I don't want to kind of minimize the work that it takes. Um, but I also want to say that it is the, it is so worth it. Yes. It is essential. You have to accept yourself to be able to like live a piece in this culture that is like the opposite of the way that our brains work. Mm. Um, and so it's a beautiful process. And if you haven't um, started it, or if you're in the middle of it and you feel alone, like keep listening to this podcast, hire a coach, go to a yeah. therapist, like get the help that you need mm -hmm. to go through the process of doing this. Oh, that was so beautiful. So we have so many resources for you. I love that you mentioned like hire a coach, go to therapy, um, reach out for those resources. Of course, we want you to join Focused. Verity is in Focus. We love Focus. Yes, Verity love also focused. coaches. And so Verity, tell us how people can get a hold of you. I um, am on Instagram. That's probably the easiest way. My handle, I literally forget this all the time. So I'm going on to my Instagram oh my right now. It is Verity Garvey Life Coaching. <laughs> I thought that would be easy for me to remember, but it's Verity Garvey Life Coaching. So that's on Instagram. You can also find my website, verdygarveylifecoach.com. That's why it's hard to remember. But yeah. Perfect. All right, my dear, thank you so much. This has been so helpful. Thank and we you. will see you guys next week. Hey, adhd -er, I see you. I know exactly what it's like to feel lost, confused, frustrated, and like no one out there really understands the way that your brain works. That's why I created Focused. Focused is my monthly coaching program where I lead you through a step-by-step -step process of understanding yourself feeling better, and creating the life that you know you're meant for. You'll study, be coached, grow, and make amazing changes alongside of other educated professional adults with ADHD from all over the world. Visit IHaveADHD.com slash focused to learn more.